I understand he was tremendously busy during Halloween. What's good, anybody out there? This is your old friend at Crimson Stain, and welcome to the Grave Wax Podcast. It's episode 11. It's also Halloween morning, so you know we've got to have a very special film to review today. And I think I've got the right one. This is a documentary from 1970, an obscure little gem called Satanus, the Devil's Mass. This is a documentary on the Church of Satan and Anton LaVey. And it came out not too long after the Satanic Bible was released in 1969. The church itself had been formed in 1966, and you're always looking to drum up publicity for a new enterprise. So here we go with uh, this uh, wonderfully strange film. And uh, I've had it. I remember buying the Something Weird VHS tape for like $30, which was unheard of for me to pay at that time. Uh, You know, I think right out of high school or something, and then... I've got the DVD, and then I got the Blu-ray when it came out, so I've been following this film for quite a while. It's interesting, there's never been like a director's commentary or any kind of commentary on it explaining who these people are, because uh, it doesn't really explain uh, who these people are or even give their names. They're just people uh, in and around the San Francisco area, around this um, interesting fellow in his black house and his uh, collection of, you know, mystical oddities you know it's a very it's something i admire greatly and i will give my answers as to who i think some of these people are as as i've discovered and i don't know for sure that these that's who these people are but we'll um it'll be fun to at least put them up there and see if it's proven right or wrong over the years because as i say there's not a whole lot of people uh, talking about it in in this fashion but uh it is getting more well-known. It's got a whole Blu-ray devoted to it, of course, so we'll see. Maybe the 4K release will have a commentary by Satan himself. Who knows? We can we can only hope uh, as technology grows, so will the uh, Enlightenment. So I guess Anton LaVey is a lot of things to a lot of people, and uh, for a long longest time, he was pretty much kind of a, a joke character. People always like to uh, have fun at the expense of people who uh, were into this sort of thing. And there's really no need to spend a lot of time uh, on the most basic cr- criticisms like, uh, you know, like there was there was no worship of Satan until Christianity came along. So why would you uh, basically give energy to something like that? Or, you know, this is just a weird ripoff of Ayn Rand philosophy and whatnot. And, you know, all that you know, if that's where you want to leave it, that's fine. But there's a lot more to it, I think, and more interesting things to think about, uh, such as his belief that we'd reached a new satanic age, this was the age of Satan, and contrasted with almost the opposite thing, which is quite appropriate, given his real philosophy, that we're under the invisible war, that there's a war declared on us all. And I think both are actually kind of correct. And I was, you know, I mean, I was an old, old school um Anton LaVey fan and uh even I was like well is any of this stuff really real is any of these predictions that we're gonna live on that they'll, they'll have people living on the moon and robots will be uh, taking over it was not something I really was uh excited to bring up in everyday conversation of course uh, which is why I just stopped having everyday conversations but I will say that 
I kind of backslid in norminess as I got older. And it was all basically in service of trying to chase money and all that kind of thing. And then you realize a little bit further on that, like, you know what? A lot of my original instincts were a lot closer to uh, the truth than this uh, totally false manufactured reality I'm uh, putting my trust in. So, you know, I started revisiting the old crazy books of my youth. And uh, yeah, I mean, they were totally right. So I'm going to read this little portion. This is the opening of the Satanic Rituals from the introduction. It's just a quick paragraph here. Uh, We are experiencing one of those unique periods in history when the villain consistently becomes heroic. The cult of the anti-hero has exalted the rebel and the malefactor. Because man does little in moderation, selective acceptance of new and revolutionary themes is non-existent. Consequently, all is chaos and anything goes, however irrational. That is against established policy. Causes are a dime a dozen. Rebellion for rebellion's sake often takes precedent over genuine need for change. The opposite has become desirable. Hence, this becomes the age of Satan. So I think that's a rather profound thing to say. And this was written in the, you know, 70s. And it's only, it's really becoming more apparent now. I think there was kind of a dormant period, uh, maybe from the Reagan age on, you know, through the Clinton age. But then... Things have steadily becoming crazier, and through this uh, sort of videodrome hyper-reality, we've got like the 70s filth, you know, exponentially expounded upon, and it's the weirdness is even greater now, and things you couldn't believe that are, or you never believe would hit the mainstream now are, and the thing about it is, is of course, even the people who claim to be satanic uh, online or wherever, uh, they often are probably being fooled by the same uh, forces that you should actually be watching against, uh, yourself against and not falling for. Uh, but it's all a part of the game, apparently. And for all this talk about like the magical, devilish side of this, uh, this, this philosophy, uh, I think that the invisible war part is much more important and totally neglected. It seems I don't, I never hear anyone talk about the invisible war in, in the context of Satanism. Uh, but this was an essay that Anton had in uh, Apocalypse Culture, which is a pretty cool book, and it kind of laid out, uh, you know, the different methods that the elite can control the masses with and it's best that's basically what it is um, controlling the masses i think that is something that everyone knows about and instinctually feels that there's something to it so that's something i would uh suggest that people look into because that to me is the most interesting part of it uh, i talk about it more here but to be honest the more i learn about it the more confused i often get and I'd like to have a more clear expression uh, when I finally do talk about it. But, you know, maybe 20, 30 more years and I'll, I'll have it down and we can have that discussion. So until then, let's just talk about some rather bizarre movies. So let's get into this. This is Satanus, The Devil's Mass. So we're going to open on the streets of San Francisco with some street interviews. And we've got just some that lovely uh, film stock tone. And we're talking to Anton's neighbors. And uh, they're all kind of complaining about this guy. They are not quite sure that Anton LaVey is the upstanding citizen they would like to have in their neighborhood. 
And so there's a lot of disapproval. And then you hit, hit a shot to uh, Carla LeVay. She is the young lady with the dark hair, and she says, I think they're nuts. So that is the tone we're going with. And then we get into the title sequence, which is like the beginning of this opening ritual. And they're playing the Satanist theme on this, uh, you know, spooky organ. And uh, it plays, and the, the Satanists walk into the ritual chamber, and it's lit up in red and blue. It's very evil, dark-looking. And there's this procession into the chamber. They're wearing their robes. Diane LaVey, Anton LaVey's wife, is walks in with a sword. There's a nude brunette on the altar, which is how they do things there. And there's a man with a handlebar mustache. I don't know who he is. I should totally find out who this guy is because he seems uh, really cool. He's kind of like the hype man. He's starting everything off with this uh, opening invocation. And so he reads. He's ringing the bell, uh, opening things up. And then he's. Uh, and then there's a chalice that's offered to Anton, who has his uh, his hooded horned cowl and his magical rings on and uh, so he takes the chalice of indulgence or whatever it's called and then there's this kind of kind of like 60s nerdy kid uh, with glasses on and he's doing the holy water sprinkler now this guy I think this guy's name is Isaac Bonowitz he would later become this uh, more of a pagan uh, back to nature kind of guy. He had some interesting books and stuff, so you might want to check out Isaac Bonowitz. But this was an earlier time when he was a little bit more uh, into the dark side, I guess. But uh, he's he looks like a kid here, and anyway, I guess he's um, doing a an, an intern. I guess he that's his internship with uh, with the devil, and then you know he goes on to the whole druid thing. Anyway. Uh, Anton LaVey, he's given the sword, and he reads from the horror at Red Hook. And I've got right here my uh, copy of Dagon and Other Macabre Tales. So I'll just read this quick passage uh, that he reads. O friend and companion of the night, thou who rejoicest in the bang of dogs and spilt blood, who wanderest in the midst of shades among the tombs, who longest for blood and bringest terror to mortals, Gorgo, Mormo, Thousand-Faced Moon, Look favorably on our sacrifices. So that's cool that he was reading from H.P. Uh, Lovecraft there. And so he calls out the names, uh, several infernal names, and then he draws his cape around him like these great bat wings. And then he lowers them and he says to the audience, uh, that's it for that part. So that's kind of the other thing about Anton LaVey is he always introduced a little bit of humor into the whole... Um, you know, serious devil stuff. And from there, we go to uh, an interview that Anton LaVey was, he was had a drink in his hand, it's like cocktail hour, and he was explaining the gray area between psychology and a religion, that he wanted to base a religion on carnal needs rather than spiritual fears and uh, stuff like that. And he understands that, you know, you've got to herd the flock around. Maybe, the, maybe that's a sly reference to the Invisible War, but... Uh, you know, he says something, this this is a quote that stuck with me, and I think is pretty true, which is, a man has to be good to himself before he can be good to anyone else. So, uh, it's, it's a lot, you can, there's a, a lot of ways you can twist that around, but that basic sentiment, I believe, is true. And from there, there's going to be more interviews. This one, there's this is a strange interview. This is apparently with a neighbor. I don't know this lady's name, but she reminds me a lot of Fran Drescher. And she is dressed in this, like, pink uh, 
jogging suit or something and she has her kid right next to her dressed in the same pink uh, outfit i think she's in like a pink room so i think this is just like the pink lady and uh she's she says she's speaking very diplomatically about anton lavey she does not want to be insulting or in any ways you know disrespectful of him he but at the same time saying this guy uh, has a religion about the devil so it's a very interesting uh dynamic she's got with hers now there's another lady this lady's on the street i don't know where she she's also apparently a neighbor and she always reminded me of ariana huffington she has this kind of lilting accent uh she might she could also be like a lost gabor sister maybe um there's ava gabor jaja gabor and this lady and she is not having it at all she has no uh sympathy for the devil you might say and she will consistently pop up in this film to uh give a little bit of uh sass and then there's the guy i think is my favorite person in this whole documentary this is the old neighbor this is the old neighbor who is extremely upset about uh anton levey specifically his way of uh housekeeping and tending to uh, house repairs he 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 generalizes him as just a very undesirable type which is a great thing to call someone or be called by. I think it's very interesting. And this guy, he's an older guy. He reminds me of my grandpa. And uh, people say I look like him, my, my like like my grandpa. So I will probably look like this guy when uh, if if I ever uh, make it to this uh, advanced uh, state of age. And uh, he's complaining about there's like shing shingles from Anton Lavey's house blows on his yards. And, uh, you know, there's just all kinds of crazy stuff that Anton Lavey just doesn't keep up with the with his yard work. And uh, I'll also say that this guy, you know he doesn't give a fuck because he's like, okay, I live next door to a man who can supposedly summon the devil and throw curses on people. Well, I'm going to talk shit about him all throughout his own fucking documentary. And, I, and what are you going to do about it? Not a goddamn thing. Because I'm old, I'm pissed off, and I'm going to tell it like it is. So you, I think even Anton probably respected this guy. I mean, this we we need to know this guy's name and what cult he he was a leader of because I want to join it. And from there, Anton Lavey's got to come back and take control of things before they get out of hand. So he, he there's another interview with him, and he says, "Well, you know, guilt's a necessary thing. You can't escape it. So we just use it." And that's where we get the famous line that everyone seems to be so enamored of, which is. If you're going to be a sinner, be the best sinner on the block. So that's where that comes from. Now we have another round of interviews. This time we get some Mormons. And apparently it looks like they're actually in Anton LaVey's house. It, like right inside the door. So I don't know. Did they just happen to visit? They ride ride their bikes and drive, drop, in, drop in on Anton LaVey as they were filming this. That would be great timing. But it was probably more staged. But anyway, you never, you never uh, get an explanation. There's more with Ariana Huffington lady with her. She's talking about, well, she could see in Anton LaVey's windows and seeing these red lights. And um, she also has says something very coy. She says, you know, maybe these Christian churches should uh, do something about this, which I'm always for the Inquisition. I'm, I'm very pro-Inquisition, and that's Stance Grave Wax podcast takes. So regardless of anything else, I, I do kind of appreciate that sentiment as well. There's also a priest that they interview. What would a satanic documentary be without an interview with a priest? And he's very dismissive and he's kind of a know-it-all about it. 
uh, and he's a little bit less interesting than some of the other ones. And it's also it's interesting to know this is like years before The Exorcist came out, so that's kind of a funny thing. This is kind of pre the devil in pop culture, uh, you know, as far as like the seventies Exorcist, you know, zeitgeist. This is even before that. That's why I like these old documentaries, you know, you get you get stuff unfiltered through the crap that subsequently comes along and well anyway, there's also a new character. This is like a big-haired girl. She's got this big 60s hair and she's kind of like kind of like demonstrates that the libtard mentality has always kind of existed, at least going back that far. And because she's talking about, you know, Anton LaVey, he's standing up for his rights. And more power to him for standing up to these bigoted people. It kind of goes into also what they're saying about uh, what uh, Anton Levy was writing about in the Satanic Rituals about causes are a dime a dozen and, you know, just, you know, rebellion and nonconformity for rebellion's sake. So I think that's kind of what she was getting at. And there's also going to be, following that, there's like this Satanic gab session, you might call it. Anton Levy, he's kind of sitting on his his big chair uh he's he's wearing like this red vest with gold trim so he's kind of uh in his official capacity as the uh, evil pope there and he's got his uh his hangers on around him there's some ladies there's some guys the guys are some of the guys are wearing their uh, sunglasses inside uh very very cool very proto-satanic and uh the guys are there. A lot of them are dressed in suits. They're kind of like middle-aged guys. They look like they'd be at uh, Holly Go Lightly's party and breakfast at Tiffany's. Kind of how they're dressed. There's a lot of crosstalk. Uh, imagine that's kind of ironic. But there's a lot of crosstalk, so you can't always hear what people are saying. It's not very uh, easy to make out all of what they're saying. But basically, they're saying the devil's cool, and uh, you know everything's great. And then now we're gonna meet yet another character. This lady is i'm not 100 percent sure about who this lady is but i think her name is lady sylvia ashley she is a uh, an older lady she's wearing this huge like wrist cuff jewelry and a huge baphomet necklace and she has this very uh, sophisticated accent and she's just talking about how she met anton levey at a party and how she feels this is a, a great philosophy to follow and that it's a lot of fun and they also interview the altar, the brunette altar that we saw. And she's just like the 60s dame. She just like totally spells out like 60s, 70s uh, look to her. And she was interested in witchcraft, she said. And uh, when she got in, interested in um, Anton LaVey's lectures that she, he was giving, and that's how she got involved in this whole rigmarole. And uh, they have, there's, a, there's like this funny exchange because she's trying to explain about uh, how she wanted to cast love spells, and then the director is asking her, uh, you know, did it work? And she says, I think so. And uh, he's like, well, do you have a man or not? And she's like, well, I'm not out for any particular man. And it's, it ends up being a little bit awkward, but a little bit funny as well. And uh, there, there's a, another quick insertion of the Mormons interview where they, they explain they don't want to exploit women, someone's daughter, someone's uh, sister, and, you know, between these two extremes, maybe we can split the difference and have uh, some respect for some people and some people, you know, still uh, do their business. Well, let's not get into it. This is just that's a, 
going to be creepy talk very quickly. But uh, speaking of creepy talk, here's some more. Here's Now, there's this other lady who's quite a character who pops up uh, several times in this documentary. This is this red-headed lady. She has short red hair. She's often in a state of undress. And this woman's name is Lenore Kossiboom. And she was apparently a very... A vibrant and exciting member of the of the church and was in a lot of like promotional material and whatnot and obviously this film and she explains you know she had a very interesting up, upbringing in uh the small desert community as she explains and there she didn't have a lot of taboos growing up apparently not and uh i think this was you know you hear about like the 60s and 70s the free love generation these revolutions and uh you know, people were hitchhiking all over the place. I think this woman is just kind of like that personified. Like, she was living that lifestyle herself. Instead of uh, getting mixed up with the Maharishi or with Charles Manson or anyone else, she ended up with Anton LaVey. So uh, there's not a whole lot of information about this lady, but what she explains in this um, in this film is very, very interesting. Very interesting character. Uh, and... There's also another woman with an accent, with like a, a accent. And she, I think she's the lady with a mask and uh, she's like whipping people later. It's very interesting. But she wants to explain that uh, with Satan, you can do anything you want, either through your own ability or through magic. So from there, we're going to cut to this uh, ceremony of the stifling air. This is a ritual that you can find in the satanic rituals. And there's, uh, they're reading The City of Dreadful Night, this poem, as this man dressed as a, a pope enters. And basically, they take his pants down and uh, lay him down on top of a coffin. And, when, and that's when the lady starts whipping him many times. Uh, it's, it's a lot of whipping going on. And then what's uh, the, the direction takes an interesting turn because the camera then zooms into the uh, pink ass welts that have just been formed on this man. Uh, very strange. But anyway, he's stood up. They open the coffin, and there's Lenore inside, uh, which I'll say her, her tits look better when she's uh, lying on her back, and she has 666 written across them. And they put him in the coffin on top of her, and then they slowly co uh, close it. And uh, Anton, in the next segment, Anton LaVey is explaining that these ceremonies, they come from the Knights Templar, from West Indian voodoo and Norse myths. And one of the reasons why I don't talk more about, the, get more into the occult, uh, magical side of this is because uh, the it seems to me that the only thing people interested in talking about this thing are people who are interested in talking about how much they know about it and how much uh, everyone else gets wrong. And, you know, I just, I, I'm so bored of those kind of conversations that I just kind of, uh, <laughs> I... I prefer the conversations about uh, politics and conspiracy. They're less uh, stupid and egotistical than even these conversations, if you can believe that. So, uh, But it is an interesting subject, and I do like studying it on my own and not talking about it. I think that the concept of silentium is probably a valid one. Just don't talk about whatever you're, you're into and accomplishing and be very careful about who you divulge these uh, secrets to. Keep them as secrets, so... That's my opinion. That's kind of why the Church of Satan itself being so public is more of a kind of a this kind of postmodern crazy experiment, which uh, is more about you know releasing something into the public consciousness than some uh, you know being a magical working. I could be wrong, but I think that's kind of uh, how I would characterize it. And um, 
there's also a little bit other interviews. There's, we're not going to go over every single interview uh, segment in here, but there is one with Carla and Diane. It looks like they're talking around the table, and Carla doesn't really participate in these uh, rituals, at least as she, when she was a teenager. And apparently she went to a lot of concerts, which I'm sure going to concerts was the heyday of concerts in uh, San Francisco in the 60s and 70s. That must have been an amazing time to be a kid uh, into that music. Uh, but there's another segment going on after that. This is about the lion. Now, there's a lot of controversy about was Anton LaVey a lion tamer? Did he work in a circus? A lot of people say, no, he didn't. I don't know myself, and I reserve judgment. But he did own a lion. He had him for about three or four years, and his name was Togar, Togar the Lion. There was a kid's show that inter- that taped a segment on him, and uh, they had the... Uh, lion in a supermarket running around this was when he was much younger and Anton LaVey chasing after him you can watch that and anyway we're going to get the story first from the nanny Fran Drescher she's explaining uh this lion and the trouble it was causing because it was now 500 pounds it was living in this uh, San Francisco townhouse and it was roaring all night and there's a segment they cut in of a I guess it's from a news program this black and white footage of this uh, kid. He's just a neighborhood kid, apparently. He's being interviewed in front of the lion cage, and he's talking about how he's, he loves Togar. Uh, he thinks the lion should stay. He wants him around. He's his friend. And meanwhile, Togar is like clawing at his cage, trying to get out and eat this kid. It's pretty great. And of course, you got to have word from the uh, cranky neighbor. And he's saying, he said he is hard of hearing, so it didn't bother him. But, uh, you know, other people were getting him involved, and I'm sure he was super pissed about this whole episode. I'd love to see this, like, the whole saga. They should make a whole miniseries of, of this this guy's life dealing with Anton. Or maybe it should be like a sitcom or something. That would be pretty fucking amazing. Um, and there's one other thing. This is where we get into the, the director, Ray Laurent. I'm not sure he was the most uh, ethical filmmaker in history, because this happens again later, but uh, this is the point where the nanny in pink, she's saying, um, uh, can we turn the camera off? And so he's like, uh, yeah, it's off. Meanwhile, of course, we're still recording. And she says, well, uh, Mr. Weber, I don't know who Mr. Weber is, uh, said that it, it, the lion took part in their, uh, sexual activities and no one follows up on this. No one, like no one asks Anton LaVey about this. It would be a sensitive subject, of course, but, uh, I've never heard about this. And uh, it's never been explained. Perhaps that's for the best, of course. But um, anyway, they leave that just kind of lying on the table. Lying on the table, as it were. Uh, So then uh, there's another part where Diane says that they placed a generalized curse on everyone who was responsible to uh, make them give up the lion, which they eventually had to give it up uh, to... uh, It ended up... uh, they said they said they gave it to a zoo, but I know that it actually ended up in a uh, pres- uh, animal preserve run by Tippy Hedren. Uh, of all people, uh, Tippy Hedren, star of the birds, ended up having this animal sanctuary, and there's some uh, talk of this lion not being the best uh, in the best shape. Maybe Anton Levy was not a great lion keeper. I don't know. This is all uh, just things that you hear, but you can't confirm one way or another. And it's been so long. Will we ever know the truth? It's like everything else in the world, apparently. Um, but what is also interesting is I believe Tiffy Hedren in that 
those lions and animals that she kept is what they used to make this crazy movie in the 70s called Roar, which has gained some cult status. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, apparently that's it. I wonder if Togar is in that movie. But apparently that's like a crazy movie where everyone was getting like swiped at by lions and stuff. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that's a pretty interesting sideline there. Uh, Anton LaVey, he definitely had very... Even if he wasn't a, a, a carnival circus guy, he definitely um, had the <laughs> extreme need for people to believe that he was, that the fact that he kept a lion around. Uh, but anyway, like I'm saying, Diane says that they placed a general curse on everyone who was involved in making them uh, give up the lion. And she says, well, a curse will just... It'll do one of two things. It will either uh, destroy or rehabilitate. And that's what's happened in every case. And it's kind of like, well, I don't know if that's really convincing the sub to the skeptics out there. It's like, yeah, if we put a curse on you, you're either going to die or not die. So, I mean, it's not, again, it's, there's no reason not to believe in it. Uh, based, it's not been disproven, of course, but... I think some people are probably looking for a little bit more um, meat to that uh, claim. And we get this is where we get a really good quote from the uh, cranky neighbor. He says, uh, don't worry about him putting a hex on me. I put a hex on him. I hope he begins to believe himself. And then he'll be tender. I tried to do it in the old man's cranky voice. I don't know if you picked up on that. But uh, from there, OK, we're getting down to the home stretch. Now we're having this uh, snake dance ritual. Lenore is the altar. There's this very basic drum beat. And the whip lady is in a in this like mask. And she's nude. And she's swaying back and forth. And she starts dancing with this snake. Apparently the snake was a boa constrictor called Julius Squeezer. So if you want to name it. That's a pretty good snake name out there if you want to take it. And there's this uh, hot blonde. She's tied up. Again, none of this is ever explained. But there's this naked hot woman and she's tied up and the snake gets passed around between all the girls. And then I think Anton LaVey gets the snake at a point and starts um, uh, waving the snake uh, around the, the tied up woman. And then they bring out this voodoo doll and Isaac Bonowitz stabs a pin into the doll. There's a, And there's also in the background, there's like a random Asian guy in attendance. You never see him again, but it's just, he's just there. He just showed up, apparently. I mean, I would show up for that, so can't blame him. Uh, there's another segment. This is one of my favorite segments, which is on the stuff he has around his house. And he's talking about the paintings. There's so many cool paintings he has around his house. A lot of them he made himself. And you get to see his books. Every, I always love to see people's books. And uh, there's all kinds of things on magic. There's also, you see all the Pulp Fiction writers and there, Jack London and everything as well. Uh, there's masks on the wall, there's torture devices, and that's where he talks about right being based on might, which, of course, that's another wonderful uh, topic that people debate with such um, level-headedness. They also have a tombstone, which they made into a coffee table, and this was, of course, decades before The Simpsons or anyone else did that, so that's pretty interesting. He has a reproduction of King Tut's sarcophagus, the mantle uh, upon which they place the altar, the naked woman, is actually made up of cobblestones from the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. So there's just a whole bunch of awesome stuff about um, this 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 house. This unfortunately, this house apparently was just demolished years ago. 
Um, and who knows what's become of all that crazy, wonderful stuff, all those, uh, the, co- the tombstone and the torture instruments and everything. Like, what? Who, who got that sarcophagus? Like, really cool stuff because apparently, you know, the... There, there's always people coming and going from this organization. Apparently, it wasn't a huge um, empire being built. There's still, of course, the true believers and the people that carry on. Uh, you know what what Anton Levey wrote and accomplished, but you know it wasn't. It's not exactly an empire. And I don't think if you check out the Church of Satan Twitter, which is totally not to be confused with the Temple of of Satan, which is something completely different, and to me, not even. Um, in the same league, but, uh, but the, the regular official church of Satan, it, it's not as exciting or as profound as it used to be. And like I say, they never seem to talk about, uh, the invisible war and they seem to just want to ingratiate themselves to all the, the herd people that are there while at the same time saying we're really edgy and, you know, like, Oh great. You'll, uh, you'll make fun of Christians who tweet at you. Wow. The Christianity that, force that's imposing on their will on us all right now yeah they're the big they're the big problem with the world right now but anyway uh i guess i guess you have to just uh wrap you have to look at it and say uh hey uh don't be sad that it's over be uh grateful that it happened that's the way to look at it and uh you know (laughs) i guess you're in charge of your own destiny as well so build build the thing you want to uh build don't uh don't i think people try to buy what they want or expect uh what they want pre-made and available right for them whereas if you uh create something that is lacking that doesn't exist like there's no kind of satisfaction in the world that uh, can compare to it uh which is why of course i do the amazing grave wax podcast what an accomplishment that is but uh, anyway, there's there's some more interviews with Lenore. There's uh, there's another segment where the big haired uh, SJW lady. That's that's too harsh. She's not actually SJW. She's just a, a nice San Francisco lady with big hair. And uh, there's another part where she doesn't think she's being recorded, and she says, "Oh, I'd love to be an altar, but uh, you know, I I don't want anyone to know about that." So I wonder I wonder when she saw this movie if she was like, "Hey, it's not supposed to be in there." And there's one more segment with that, uh, you know, that satanic round table they had the, in, from the beginning. And, there, and it's a lot of uh, sex talk, a lot of confusing more cross talk that you can't hear as everyone has their own little conversations. And Anton LaVey, you, you can see, kind of sense the dynamic of how this group was run because he tries to bring it back to uh, these philosophical points about uh, religion, religious repression and whatever. And then from there, we're going to have the closing ritual. This one is interesting because I must have watched it a dozen times before I realized what was going on. And that might have been like just the quality of the VHS tape was too dark or whatever. But I'm not even going to explain what Lenore is doing in this uh, in this thing. But watch it, especially if you're watching it in, on Blu-ray. You can you can tell with the sound what's going on. Uh, it's very, very interesting. You'll be interested to see what they were up to at this uh the satanic uh, ritual and then at one point they bring in a bunch of people to have their strange requests uh the blessings of satan bestowed upon them uh isaac bonowitz has a very a very weird one uh they're all but they're all pretty weird 
but his is very the way he, ex- he expresses his desire is also pretty uh, strange and over the top i think he was having a little bit of fun there uh, and then there's one then there's the stinger which i played at the beginning uh, which is the Fran Drescher lady saying, I hear he's tremendously bu- busy during Halloween. So there you have it. It's Satanus, the Devil's Mass, a fine Satanic cult feature. There's a lot of places you can go from here. I would recommend you uh, watching some film noir, uh, stuff like Key Largo, Where the Sidewalk Ends, The Gangster, Kiss of Death. Uh, Stranger on the Third Floor. There's a lot of great film noir films that I think are even more satanic than a lot of these horror movies out there, uh, which are, you know, just kind of mass diversions and entertainments. These uh, film noir movies, they actually had a lot to say. Uh, Very gritty underworld kind of uh, point of view, which is Anton LaVey. He could talk a lot about Dante and Milton and classical uh, literature but he could also talk about this gritty underworld stuff you'd find in film noir and reginald marsh paintings and stuff like that uh so that's that's a lot there's a lot of uh interviews with anton on um youtube you can find there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of bad stuff you can find about uh people talking um about the uh, less the uh, less honorable po- points of uh, anton levey again i don't know what's true and what's not I just try to base things on the entertainment value and the quality of the writing. As far as his books go, I would definitely recommend The Devil's Notebook. There's a lot of great essays in that, as well as The uh, Invisible War, which is an apocalypse culture. He was in the film The Devil's Reign, too, so if you want to check that movie out, you can see him him in it. He was apparently a technical advisor on it. And uh, with that, I think that's enough to whet the appetite. I'll wrap this up now so I can edit it together and post it so I can get it out on Halloween because my main main point in uh, releasing an episode today was to wish you all a very happy, safe Halloween.